it's Rhonda Shortino. Thank you so much for joining me for Live, Love, Survive, and Thrive. I know there's lots of other stuff that you could be listening to, but this podcast is for you. It's to help you live an amazing life, the life that you were born to live. It's to help you love, to put your love into action, because that will change your life and the lives of everyone within your influence. It's to help you survive the tough times and to help you mine the lessons out of everything you go through, especially the most painful stuff that you go through, and to use those exact things to thrive. This is Rhonda Shortino and Certified Life and Academic Coach Jenny Christensen with Live, Love, Survive, and Thrive. Today's a very special edition. We have our friend, Nikki Barthelmus. Did I say it right? Close, Barthelmus. Close. Nikki is the author of not one, but two really amazing books. And we're so excited to have you today on Live, Love, Survive, and Thrive, Nikki. thrilled to be here. Well, okay, so let's just dive right in. I want you, first of all, before we get into the books and um, and the importance of those messages that you've shared in those books, tell us a little bit about you. Well, my name is Nikki Barthelmus, and like you said, I'm an author of two young adult uh, contemporary novels. I have a third one coming out next year. Well, actually, my second book comes out next month, so it's not quite out yet. And I grew up in foster care, which is how Rhonda and I know each other, because viewers, listeners, and just all-around followers of The Amazing Rhonda know that you are a tireless, passionate child welfare advocate. So that's how we know each other. I uh, went into foster care when I was 12 years old in Nevada and um, spent the next six years living in six different towns in Northern Nevada until I aged out at 18. Um, I, before going into foster care, I had a very volatile upbringing. Um, at times my parents owned an escort service or were drug dealers. There was a lot of abuse and neglect in my home. And um, I was homeless before with my family, uh, living in a homeless shelter or in a motel room studio apartment with five of us um and yeah things were really tough and then in foster care things were also very tough uh moving from uh, group homes to foster homes being uh almost like being fired from a foster home when you're not a good fit um being treated like a criminal oftentimes the the worst thing assumed of me and um when i graduated from high school, my goal was to go to college because I thought that was my way out of just that terrible upbringing that I had. And I did, I studied journalism at the University of Nevada in Reno. And after I got my bachelor's degree, I moved to Southern California, which is actually where I was born and where my family um, was originally from. And well, not originally, but my, my mom was born here and uh, became a newspaper reporter. And that is where I met my wonderful husband, 
And, for, you know, from there, I uh, kept writing and ended up getting a literary agent for my fiction because I always had that secret dream to want to be an author. And now I am an author, like you said, and I have um, the, the beautiful baby and beautiful husband and um, things are going really well. I'm happy to be here. Oh, my word. I love it. That is so awesome. So I know from when we first met that you, you had an idea in your heart. You, you knew from a very young age that you wanted to write a, a fictional book. So um, tell us a little bit about the, the first one. And I, I know it's a series. This, I'm curious to know, is the third one, the one that you're writing now for next year, is that part of the series or is that a whole new thing? a whole new thing. Uh, the third book is um, totally different story, different publisher even, and it's just I've continued to write young adult fiction um, that's not just uh, this uh, story, which I'll talk about, that centers on a foster kid. Before I do that, though, I would like to say, because I think this is interesting for kind of what I know is your life calling of succeed because of what you've been through, find your purpose. Uh, I like to tell people when they ask me how I got, if you don't, if you will permit me to go on this tangent, uh, <laughs> I like to tell people when they ask me, when did I start writing? Um, I started writing before I could write in the sense that, well, I mean, I don't know exactly when I was learned, learned exactly when I learned to you know, spell and write things down. But when I was five years old and I was living in that uh, tumultuous background, um, I would write songs that I sang to my dogs about being lonely. I'm sure they were terrible and also very sad. Um, and I kind of, everyone looks at me like, oh, that's sad. But like, I, you know, I, it was my first very willing and happy audience. So like, that's cool. And, you know, after that, I, um, when I was in foster care, my mom was dying. So she actually cleaned her life up. And um, the reason we couldn't go live with her when we were taken away from our father was because she was, she was terminally ill. So, you know, that was really sad that, my mom had got her life together. She was a, a big part of my life again. And, you know, we talked on the phone all the time and, and she died shortly after I was in foster care within the year. But when she was dying, I was so, it was so hard um, to lose my mom, to be in foster care for the, you know, everything was, was different. Everything was scary. And I wrote a lot of poems and those poems were not good. I didn't know how to write poetry, but, um, that was a way to cope and deal with my feelings. So just, you know, from writing songs to my dogs, <laughs> to, to sing to my dogs, to poems about my mom dying, and then journaling throughout foster care, I was always a writer. And then it was just later on that I, you know, in journalism school, when I was actually studying to do public relations at first, because someone told me that, oh, you're so good with people, you should be in PR. I hadn't even heard of it. I didn't even know what PR was. Um, then I was like, oh, journalism, you know, I can, I can do this. And then, um, which, Funny enough, mini tangent, I had written a, gov a letter to the governor of Nevada when I was taken away from my, my situation. I thought that policy was getting in the way of what was best for me. And so I wrote a letter to the governor decrying all the ills of how I was being treated by my social worker. And I called his office uh, once a week for two months until I, <laughs> and I still have that letter, until I made a copy of it, until I finally got um, them to pay attention to me and then move me into the placement that I wanted and not make me switch schools. But my sister read this letter, my older sister, and was like, you're a great writer, you should be a journalist. And I was like, oh no, I wanna be a lawyer, uh, which now my husband is a lawyer. But 
anyway, uh, I didn't know I, I was, I didn't know that was like a job, but, um, so then wrote fiction and then, you know, went on the path to getting a literary, literary agent and get published. I share that really long tangent story, um, because, and maybe you'll want to talk about this further, um, finding what we're good at, what we as individuals are good at, then with what people need and, and what I needed was to write to kind of cope with what was going on with me. But then I found that that was my gift and I was able to help people to, you know, feel things or um, inspire action, whether to help me or to help someone else. In that case, the governor's letter was to help me and my brother. Um, that that I, I found that kind of marriage of like what I was good at, what I loved with what, you know, others saw value from and then was able to turn that into a, a journalism career about writing feature stories where I could like tug at heartstrings and get people to open up to me and trust me. And now where I land to finally answer your question, answer your question, writing these books, uh, <laughs> you know, everyone has already stopped listen, listening probably by then, but, uh, <laughs> no, we're not, we're hanging on you every word. And I know that Jenny wants to jump in here too. Um, okay. So now my books, um, so I wrote, uh, my first book came out last year in March of 2019 and it's called the quiet you carry is right behind me. And the story focuses on 17 year old Victoria Parker, who is um, removed from her home um, in the middle of the night, thrown into foster care in a small town that she's never heard of and is trying to hide that she's in foster care from the kids at her new school because she's um, embarrassed. And she's also trying to hide from social services what really happened at home because even though they know something happened, she's trying to, she can't really face it. She's trying to protect um, her father. And then also trying to hold her, hold on to her college dreams why that happened because her whole support system is gone and her plans while uh, attempting to protect the stepsister she left behind. So that's the first book. And um, it is not, I, you know, as you pointed out, it's fiction. This is not a memoir. A lot of the time people say, oh, you grew up in foster care. This book is about a foster kid. So no matter how many times I tell them, they automatically assume that it's completely based on my life, which is not true. I certainly did draw from my experiences. I know about foster care. I've done advocacy similar to you, but I've done it for like 12 years, um, you know, meeting, mentoring kids, meeting legislators, uh, giving speeches. So certainly like bits of me came, a lot of me comes into the book, but it's a fictional story that I created. Um, the second book, which I had on the iPad up here, which is now uh, gone. Let's see if I can pull it up again. Um, kind of see it. No, anyway, sorry. Uh, <laughs> um, second book comes out October 13th. So very soon. And that is the, the next in, I suppose you call it a series, um, duology, uh, college freshman, Victoria Parker is an assault survivor who is trying to heal from her past and make new friendships by joining this, uh, advocacy club on campus that it tries to prevent sexual harassment and assault. Um, her whole life is thrown into disarray when a long lost aunt who she never even knew existed shows up and is trying to get Victoria to downplay um, her abuse to um, help her father get better sentencing. Um, when Victoria learns that her dad was abused as a kid, things become even more complicated. Um, she feels she has to choose between you know, downplaying what happened to her and maybe helping her father suffer less now that she kind of knows what he's been through 
uh, or throw the book at her dad like um, some of uh, her new friends in this advocacy club want her to. So Victoria has to decide who she's speaking up for and why in Quiet No More. And that's what those books are about. And then my third book is not out yet. Um, that one comes out in 2021. Uh, and it's a totally different story um, that also I too draw inspiration from my life, but instead it's more about uh, coming to terms with identity and family and um, you know, my, my, my grandma, my grandparents are Mexican immigrants and I'm, I'm biracial and it has like some of that in there and like figuring out who you are um, in these two worlds and I'm really excited about that book and that comes out in, in 2021. Totally different story. Nikki, I love what you were talking about. You know, Rhonda and I talk a lot about the, the impact and that's, you know, where who you are and what you've experienced meets what the world needs. I mean, I think that's so beautiful and you illustrate it literally in your writing, in your books. And I think that's fabulous. And one of the things I'm, I'm listening to your story and I'm thinking, um, you know, Rhonda and I also talk and, and Rhonda wrote a whole book about character traits, you know, things that, that people have. So when you think about your life as a story to where you are now, what would be two of the strongest character traits that you walked away with that motivate you as a person and motivate you in your writing that you could inspire other people with? That's a really interesting question because I feel like I've gotten different versions of that and not that specific one. Um, that, that specific one, I had to think about the answer because it's not, anyway. So empathy, uh, many people I know are nice people who certainly want good for others, but have a difficult time really, um, I don't want to say having compassion, but really deeply caring about the plight of others in a, in a way that makes them want to, you know, understand them and help them. Um, and I think that because of, I, I was certainly a very sensitive child even before, well, there was never really a before I was kind of born into that mess. Uh, but having empathy and being able to uh, really meet people where they're at in their, in their times of, of suffering, but also joy and appreciating those good times. And, uh, and then I guess the other one is um, related to that of being, being grateful. Um, a lot of people will ask me, how did you get through this when you were a kid and, uh, things were so bad, you know, you, you feel like at least in our country, if you're like homeless, it's not a, you, as a child, you don't know that there's much worse than that, right? Or when you're getting the free lunch ticket and all the kids know, and or you're getting teased for sh shopping in the clothing closet, um, you know, that seems like there's not a lot worse than that at the time, you know, and then a parent dies or a parent is treating, mistreating you. Um, but I would think, well, you know, being here in the U.S., uh, you know, foster care is not that great. I was fed. So I had times when I was hungry before going to foster care. Not that I would have chosen the hunger before at the, at the time. Um, now looking back, I see that it was the best thing for me to be removed from that situation. But um, knowing that I, I have so many opportunities here that I and others wouldn't have elsewhere. Um, and just really trying to use that. Certainly we don't all come from a level playing field. I think that's, I don't know that anybody actually really believes that. But knowing that 
I had the opportunity to try to make my life better, that that was to an extent in my hands. Um, I think that helped me a lot too. I love that. Do you know the hidden power of love? Do you know the most powerful form of love? Did you know that you can change the world with love? It's possible. And to give you ideas for how you can change your life and your world with love, I wrote a book called Love is Action, How to Change the World with Love. I want you to get your copy today and start right away showing love in the unique way in which you have been equipped. I promise you it will change your life. It will change your relationships. It'll change the people around you. And ultimately, it'll change your circumstances in ways that you may not be able to imagine now. Get your copy today at Rhonda.org. I love that. What a great question, Jenny. You're so good at, uh, at coming up with really, really thought-provoking questions. You know, I'm thinking about, um, about the next book, Quiet No More. And <clears throat> I mean, there's, I think there's so much to unpack there. I think just about the title, how many of us, and you don't have to have been in foster care to have, to have experienced some painful things that you'd rather forget and you'd rather not talk about and, and uh, you know, and, and you put them someplace on a shelf, on a back shelf in your memory, never to be brought out again. And I love that, that your fiction gives you this vehicle for tapping into some of, some of those feelings that so many people have and they kind of don't know what to do with. And then the title of Quiet No More and how the main character is involved in this advocacy group and how that looks. And then, and then understanding um, what, what we know on an academic level of, you know, people who abuse kids probably were abused themselves. And so here in this story, you know, you, you, um, you sort of, you know, unpack that in the story, how, how your, the character finds out that her dad, who was abusive, was abused as a kid. I think that um, just, and, and wherever you go with that story, I can't wait to read it, um, I think it's going to help so many people to, to have a little bit different perspective about their own situation. That we don't, number one, that we don't have to be ashamed of what's happened to us. And um, that we can actually, as adults, pull all of that out and look at it from a different perspective. So I'm sure as, you know, as, as you've grown and, and created the beautiful life that you have now with your awesome husband and new baby and, you know, here you are, this great published author and whatever. That, so now you're an adult and you have a different perspective because you have a different life that you can look back and maybe have some sympathy for, 
you know, the, the people who um, did you wrong, you know, that, that maybe they didn't know any better. Maybe they were abused as kids. And whatever that story is, and I'm sure much of it we'll never know, but the fact that you can bring that into this book and weave it together, uh, and especially for your genre. So it's, so it's teens, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, these are the kids. Teens in foster care, teens who have been um, in hard places and maybe who are still in hard places, to give them something to read from another perspective. I just can imagine that that's going to help a lot of people to, to reconsider their own circumstances in a different light. I hope so. <laughs> so Nikki, what would you say? I have, I have one more question for you. What would you say to, um, you know, you're painting this beautiful picture of your life and, and your writing. And what would you say to a young person right now that feels stuck and feels trapped in that situation that you experienced firsthand? Well, I would, I would first say, because I'm careful not to be too positive. I think that can be toxic sometimes. Like I understand the desire that we have to always look at the like sunny side, but I think before even going there to say that you don't deserve this terrible feeling that you have right now. You don't deserve the way that you've been treated badly. And it isn't fair. Um, that's just a fact. Your friends, family, maybe, maybe people don't have, maybe your life is a lot harder than a lot of people you know. And you have, you kind of, that's just where you are. That's just where we are. Um, but there is, you do have, there are some things that you can do to make it better. Um, you can't change who you were born to. You can't change what has already happened to you, but you can change what you do today and tomorrow to make your life better. And um, there's a lot of power in that, for, especially for somebody who has, their power has been taken from them. So it's, it's on you, it's on us to, to, to look for good things. You, they're not just gonna show up on your lap, um, even if that's not fair. So good, supportive adults, loving, compassionate, supportive, healthy adults. Um, sometimes you got to go look for them, a, a coach or a teacher, um, someone from church. If you attend church, find these people who can kind of help guide you and support you. Um, and to the extent that you can give yourself some distance from the things that hurt you. Sometimes that's people. And I know that's hard. And obviously we all have to make our own choices. I can't tell you what to do, but, um, if you're feeling really bad about yourself and your situation, um, maybe look at what's in your what's in your environment and what you can do to remove some of the negative things. Maybe people are maybe someone, a family or a family member or a friend tells you things that are really mean about yourself. Maybe they put you in situations that are unsafe. What can you do to give yourself a little bit of distance from that person? Um, or at least to give them less power over you to harm you. What can you do to find supportive 
friendships. Maybe those people can become your family in a way um, to, to kind of build you up so you can feel better about yourself because you're not those lies that, that you've grown to believe about yourself possibly from being treated poorly. Um, and then, you know, you just do other things to, 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 to make yourself feel better because you're the only one who's going to do it. No one's going to save you, you know, get some sleep, sleep, move your body, exercise, um, try to figure out the things that you like by trying a ton of different things. I tried a lot of different things, even though I said I've always been a writer, like I didn't know that that was even a job until I was in college. Um, try a different thing, different things. That's how you'll find out what you're good at. And don't be afraid to fail because the, that's how you learn and that's how you grow. And the most successful people um, have failed spectacularly. Be proud of those failures. Be proud of those rejections because it means you're trying. It means you're brave. And um, just, just have hope that no matter how terrible today is, that tomorrow can be better. I love it. That's awesome. Wow. I wrote it all down. That's really good. Um, I love that. And I love that you shared that part of what helped you cope was writing songs, writing poetry. And um, I know for me, when I was a kid, um, the way I coped was reading. So I would, I would go to the public library and I would check out as many books as they would let me. Upland Public Library would only let me check out six books at a time. <laughs> And I always wanted to make sure I had the next book lined up, you know, God forbid I could finish one and still have time to, you know, notice what was around me. So I would throw myself into a book, but, you know, different things for different people. I love that you're, you're sharing, you know, get sleep, move your body. Any other, um, I guess, you know, coping skills that, that, um, that you used? I love reading too. So I, can't believe I'm an author and I didn't mention that because that's like the first thing I say when I give speeches to kids or whatever. I'm like, oh, you escaped in the pages of a book. And so it's funny that I did not say that. Um, so uh, as far as like very practical, I kind of gave the abstract ones of like, Ooh, maybe distance yourself from people who, who are not safe, get new safe or new safe relationships, which I understand is easier said than done. But like the more practical things would be, would be like, um, you know, those of us who it may seem very obvious to other people, but you know, we might not have learned the things that other people learn because of our backgrounds, which by the way, we've learned a lot that other people didn't learn. That is also positive. And you talk about that a lot too, but um, that's why I say sleeping because I get really depressed if, I have, if I'm, if I'm tired, like, and then you might think, Oh my gosh, my whole life is terrible. But like, you know, if you take care of yourself, you'll feel better. So that's why I said sleeping and exercise because there's all these medical studies that show like how important this is, but it's also really important for people with ACEs, adverse childhood experiences to do these things because our, um, our bodies have been affected so that um, the way that we carry toxic stress, you know, that we actually, people from our upbringings are more likely to get diseases and stuff. However, there's stuff that you can do about it. Like I said, sleeping and exercising um, and having safe and healthy relationships. Um, but, but like finding, finding things that you enjoy too, you don't, not everything has to be, okay, well, I'm going to find what I'm good at so that I can be successful and have a bunch of, excuse me, money it could be like, okay, well, you know, I like doing this thing. I like drawing or I like I don't know, playing video games or whatever. And just being nice to yourself because you have to kind of take care of yourself. If you don't have like somebody who's like really loving to, to kind of 
wrap you up in that warm embrace, so to speak. You have to do it for yourself. And so um, to, to, to be nice to yourself and to not be so hard, hard on yourself too. Um, but yeah, I think a lot, of, I go to therapy. I mean, I think therapy is great. Uh, you know, things like, things like that. Um, and you know, some of these things we have, we live in the information age where you can look this stuff up on the internet. You can go to the public library and read books. I understand that we have, um, you know, not everybody has the same access to things. Um, but so that's why, you know, find figuring out what you, what you can do to make yourself free to go outside and go for a job. Um, you know, it's free to go to the library, uh, and, and just try to take care of yourself and, and, um, watch things like Rhonda's rate or Rhonda's YouTube channel. Like that's also really good self-care. <laughs> oh my gosh. You're so kind to say that. Well, I, I love this. This is so helpful and I'm so proud of you. And I know, I, I hope that you're proud of yourself really. And, and I think that's part of what I want to say to everybody who's watching, you know, it's okay to be proud of yourself. It's not arrogant to say, you know what? I actually am kind of gifted in this area. And Nikki, you are a gifted writer. For me, when, when I um, received the, the copy of your first book and opened it, I remember from the first page, from the first word, I felt like you were taking me for a ride. I feel like you were taking me for a journey, you know, and there's such a, there's such a talent. There's such an art. It's so funny to me when I hear you say, I didn't even know that was a job until I got into college. And I'm thinking, wow, you know, um, when something comes easily to us, we tend to dismiss it and think, oh, that's no big, everybody knows how to do that. No, everybody doesn't know how to do that. I mean, I, I'm working now on my 14th book and my husband has said a couple times, why don't you ever write a story? He's saying, why don't you write fiction, right? Why don't you ever write a story? Because that's what he would prefer to read. He doesn't want me to give him any more advice. He's, you know, we've been together for 30 years He's right here with me giving him advice, you know. So I'm like, okay, uh, write a story. Let me think about that. Nikki, I could not sit down and write fiction any more than I could, you know, uh, send a man to Mars. I don't know. I, don't, I got nothing. So when I think about this gift that you have, um, well, it's just really awesome. You are awesome. I can't wait for the second book. I'm excited for the third book next year. I don't know where God is going to take you, but, uh, but I know it's all good. And I'm just so grateful that, that you connected with me all those years ago. You found me, actually. I don't know if you remember. Did I? Did I? Okay, okay. well, you added me as a friend on Facebook, and I took that to mean that we were actually friends. And so then I reached out to you and asked for advice. This was like nine years ago. Oh my goodness. I well, Nikki, that. you're you're very inspiring. And I thank you for sharing your story and, and your transparency and just authenticity behind who you are. And I know that's going to be flowing into your books in the future and, and, and into people's lives. And I appreciate that. Thank you. It was so nice right. to be here and to meet you. 
Well, I want you to come back. I mean, with every book, come on, let's just keep doing this. So we'll we'll have to do this at least once a year because I think you're just gonna, I think you're a natural born storyteller and you're gonna just keep telling stories. Thank you, Rhonda. I really appreciate it. And I would love to. All right, wonderful. So before we go, did I see Robbie there with the baby right there? Oh yeah, did you see him? He brought come my- Come on, get in the shot, come on. I don't know if he can hear us. Oh. Uh, I'll uh, let's see if he can. I don't want to. I, I feel like it would be not dignified for me to call to him. Uh, oh, okay, be dignified by all means. In the meantime, me and my big mouth, I'd be like, Matt, come on over. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, well, I would. Oh, he's he's coming. I was gonna. I was going to um, wax poetic on something to pass the time, but. By the time I start telling a story, then he'll be here and he'll be there. Okay, well then we'll have to have that story next time. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure everyone will survive just fine without whatever story <laughs> I'm about to tell. <laughs> well, you're a storyteller. I don't ever want you to hold back. Oh, thank you. Well, I will say um, that because apparently it's taking longer than I thought that I may be a natural storyteller, and it, and it did come easier to me, but I had to work very hard at it. But I'll say to everybody, and I say this when I give speeches to kids that you don't necessarily know what you're not, you might not even know what you're really naturally good at. And just look at the stuff that you, you really like and enjoy. And there might be something there and it might not be the obvious thing. Like, Oh, I love video games. So I'm going to be a video game programmer. It might be like, I really like this aspect of it. And what of that aspect do I like about it and why? And so that's why I think it's so important to try a bunch of things. So oh, really good. good. Now we learn what we're not good at. There she is. Okay, Robbie, come on, get in the shot. We need, we need you. There this is you my husband, Robbie, and this Hello. is our baby, Hadley. There is that beautiful family that you've created. What a fun thing that over, over nine years, um, I just feel like I've had kind of a ringside seat at watching um, such wonderful blessings. Well, yeah. I'm so glad. And I, I, that's why I hear another thing. You can never get rid of me. Uh, that I tell people when they, anybody asks me for advice, it's like, then they realize that I'm never going to shut up is to be open when you have a dream and you have a goal that to tell people what it is. So I wasn't, and this is related to you and this is why I'm telling the story. I didn't necessarily tell people at first that I wanted to be an author because I was kind of embarrassed and ashamed of it. I thought that people would not take me seriously because it's such a um, hard career to get into. And so I didn't tell anybody I would, I was in journalism school. I had, I was in five classes. I had an internship I had a job and I would write at like 3am with my door closed. My roommates had no idea what I was doing because I was like embarrassed. But then, um, when I was uh, working at that newspaper job for whatever, or I, I started to kind of tell people, like I, I was at a lunch with someone and I told them that I wanted to write, um, science fiction because that's what I initially wanted to write. And he said, Oh, you know, you should meet this author who lives in town, he can give you some advice. And I was like, oh yeah, the guy was an author and screenwriter. He's not have time for me, this 23 year old nobody. Um, and then, but because of that, I did get a sit down with this guy and he gave me a bunch of advice. And um, he, you know, even read my work and, and passed it on to his agent, which I didn't realize at the time how rare and unique that was. Um, I just thought, every, I thought, oh, he was really nice and everybody does that. But like that never happens in our industry for a, a host of very good reasons. And I shouldn't say it never happens, but anyway, then I went on your radio show when I told you kind of like, oh, you know, I got that job because we had talked about I was interning and I was so afraid. I don't have anywhere to live. It's so expensive in Southern California. What am I going to do if I don't get this job? Um, 
failure and you encouraged me and then I get the job and I told you, so you brought me onto the show. And then I just talked the whole time about my dream was to be a reporter. Well, that's because that was like my palatable dream that I told people. I didn't tell them my author dream, but after the show, we were Facebook messaging about something. And I just decided on a whim to tell you, Oh yeah, I met this author and he's going to, my real dreams. I want to be an author and he's going to show my book to blah, blah, blah. And, um, and you were like, Oh, you know what? You got to meet so-and-so. And then that person ended up becoming a mentor who like completely changed my life. Um, as a person, she's helped me so much as an author. She's helped me so much. And none of that would have happened had I not told you. And so I guess my advice to people is I understand that especially in our past when we haven't been supported, that it is brave. It's very scary to tell people your dreams, especially because they're so, you're so sensitive where I'm sensitive and people might stomp on them, but you don't know what's possible unless you put yourself out there. And yeah, you're going to get way more no's than you get yeses, but wonderful, wonderful things can help can happen to you if you're open to them. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that person who offered to help me, I didn't end up working with his agent, but it was so wonderful for my confidence that this man who was so successful believed in me. Um, and, uh, and, and you Rhonda, you connected me with someone who also believed in me and really ushered me on into my, into my way and my path. And I'm so grateful for that. And I look back over the last nine years and that was like probably the most important thing that happened. So obviously I did, I did work and I, and I, and I did a lot, but I guess my point is to those of you watching, whether you're a child or an adult is, um, to, to be open to those kind of things and to share. And then also be so wonderful as Rhonda and give back and, and give, because, um, that's how we have to lift each other up too. So I certainly try to do what I can. Um, I would like to do more and I should do more. Um, but be open to those experiences. Uh, otherwise you have no idea what you could be missing. That is so awesome. I'm so glad that you shared that. And to me, that really goes to the very first point that you made that I wrote down that, um, look to look for supportive adults because, um, you know, sharing your dream with somebody who's not a supportive adult is kind of risky and, you know, they're, they, they may be the people who kind of stomp on them. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but when you, when you find your people, you know, who care about you, they just want the best for you. Um, you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. When you just open your heart and share your dreams. And, and uh, so I can say, I think Jenny, I speak for both of us. We both want the very best for you. And uh, I, I'm, I just looking forward to, to watching and seeing what unfolds next. I know it's all going to be good. Thank you, Rhonda. I will finally release you from the grasps of me talking because as anyone oh. knows that I could just, you know. <laughs> I love it. I love it. This is awesome. So, all right. Until next time, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining me for today's podcast. I hope that you'll subscribe. I hope you'll share with others and, and just come alongside of us in helping people to live, love, survive, and thrive. See you next time.